as you settle into the sitting posture and relaxing into the present moment, just notice what it is that you do to initiate this period of practice. You hold your body a certain way, you do something with your mind. What is it that gives us permission to just start noticing a little more continuously or a little more precisely? And is there anything that we actually do to make awareness happen? Or is it really just reminding ourselves to recognize the present moment that's being known? Sometimes in practice we can support or offer some supportive condition for the continuity of awareness by asking the question, what is being known? And we can answer with, oh, breathing in is being known, breathing out is being known, hearing sounds is being known, sensations in the body are being known, thoughts are being known, emotions are being known, memories, plans, comments. There's a lot of objects, physical, mental, emotional, subtle or gross, familiar or novel, that we can identify as being known. The interesting fact to acknowledge is that in every one of those moments of identifying what is being known, the knowing is happening. And what we're doing with this practice is recognizing the continuity of the awareness that recognizes the knowing. So we're really not trying to focus on any object, any particular object or any object at all. They happen. But the direction of our efforts is really to recognize the recurring moments of awareness. when we have an object-oriented practice, we tend to focus on the object, we tend to get close to the object, we tend to get inside the object in order to feel it, to investigate it, to know the qualities of the object more distinctly, more clearly, to perceive them. And this is useful, beneficial, it's helpful, establishes a good continuity to mindful awareness. But the danger of focusing like that is that we strive, we, we get tight in the mind, and we kind of try to hold on to a familiar uh, chosen object. So what we're doing in this awareness-oriented practice is recognizing that, yes, in every moment there's an object being known. But rather than focusing on the object in order to distinguish its qualities or characteristics, we're actually recognizing the activity of the awareness. Letting the object be a little diffuse or distant, non-specific even, but without an object there can be no awareness. 
of these two, the object of the awareness, the object and the awareness, it is within the awareness that there is either understanding or not. So wisdom is in the awareness. So as we turn our intention, turn our attention to the awareness, we can begin to recognize the qualities of awareness itself. Rather than focusing on the characteristics of the object, we notice the characteristics of awareness. Okay. So what are the characteristics of awareness? Well, we know that the attitude of mind that is most supportive of awareness is being willing to open and receive the present moment with interest to observe it without expectation or demand and it's very allowing. So these are qualities of the attitude of mind that supports awareness. But what are the qualities of awareness itself? You might have noticed how sometimes awareness comes in, saves you from a long, boring train of thought or an interesting train of thought. So awareness has this awakening quality to it. It wakens us to recognize, which is to perceive, that there is this moment being known. So awareness has a waking quality. If you ask yourself the question periodically, am I aware? It's interesting that you can never say no to that question. Am I aware? And you immediately are. So within awareness, there's this, this kind of inquiry, not a thinking inquiry, but a presence of mind inquiry. The other comment to make, or the other characteristic to notice about awareness is that it doesn't have any spin. It doesn't spin a story about itself or the object. It just observes. This is the way it is for now. Which may be followed by, I don't like it, I like it, I hope it lasts, I hope it doesn't last. You know, what's going on? Awareness sees clearly the way things have come to be. So there's a certain clarity as a quality or a characteristic of awareness. Even if the object of awareness is diffuse, confusing, scattered, awareness can know that clearly. Like looking at a distant horizon on a foggy day. You can't really see the details of the horizon, but you know that very clearly. So there's a clarity to awareness, an inquiry to awareness. There's a non-intentionality to awareness. Try as we might, we can't make it happen. And when it's happening, we have to go out of our way to not notice it, 
really trying to distract ourselves. So there's that unintentional or not created quality or characteristic of awareness. There are other characteristics. But as we work with our objects and our torments of the mind, our habits of mind, begin to just recognize the qualities and the characteristics of awareness itself. You don't have to go looking for them. We're not trying to name them like I did just now. But we're just trying to recognize, oh, this is, this is what's happening right now. There's a clarity, an unintended clarity of knowing, even without trying. It just happens. Recognize that. Realize that sometime. You know, in that moment of awareness that uh, first appears when a, when a train of thought comes to an end, you're lost in a daydream, you don't know that you're daydreaming, but when it comes to an end, there is this moment, this immediate moment that shows up of clearly, rec- clearly recognizing the end of that train of thought. And there's a moment before we jump in there to do something with that, to direct it or to go back to the object of our breath or to name an object or to judge ourselves for having been thinking. Before any of that happens, there's this moment of just clear recognition that the train of thought has come to an end. Awareness. Unintended, clear, knowing. Recognize that. Again, just do the best you can to be present, to recognize the present moment, whether it's the object or the awareness of it. Either one is mindfulness. But begin to attend to the qualities, the characteristics that you recognize of awareness itself. Just do the best you can. Let that be good enough.
Thank you very much. <laughs> I was going to wonder, I was wondering, is that metaphorical or, or actual forest and mud hole? Both, huh? <laughs> Question on thoughts. Yes. Okay. Um, the first part is, when we're aware of thoughts, do we um, also want to be aware of the physical sensations that are five sense doors? So the first question is, when we're aware of thoughts, do we also want to be aware of physical sensations or other contact at the sense doors? That's the question? Uh, the second question. Oh, wait, wait i got to answer that one first. I won't remember the first one if you, if you get the second. Um, rather than have an agenda that no... I'm not going to be noticing anything else while I'm noticing or being aware of thoughts. Or yes, I should be noticing other things if I'm aware of thoughts. See how it goes. Sometimes awareness, sometimes awareness seems to be rather expansive. Seems to be. And it seems like, wow, you can be aware of thoughts and sensations and sounds all at the same time. Other times it seems like you can either be aware of thoughts or sensations, or sounds, or... So, rather than decide how it's going to be, or how it should be, just notice how it is. Okay? Okay. Second question? So the question is, he notices that when uh, he becomes aware of a thought, it it ends. And you didn't say it, but there's kind of like a disappointment that you didn't get to spend some time with it. Not quite. But is there a way to be aware of thoughts and have them continue uh, to kind of spend some time with them? That's the question. And is that beneficial or not? The question I want to ask you is, did becoming aware of the thought make it stop? Or does, do thoughts just stop? Sometimes what? Sometimes what? Oh, some, some, I mean, sometimes they, sometimes they just go away on their own. And yeah. My, my, I mean, it's kind of, um, you know, yesterday Carol was saying uh, the, the light of awareness, kind of the thoughts just go away when the light of awareness is shown on them. And um, I mean, with very obsessive thoughts, I'll be aware of them. Yes. But, uh, but just regular, ordinary thoughts. Um, it, sometimes, they, sometimes I do have, but it's, it's so thin, the, the level of awareness. Like sometimes I'll have just a little bit of awareness where like three thoughts later, I'll be able to retrace the steps. To yes, right? yeah. But I'm not aware in the, in the moment. Right. So you're talking about different qualities to awareness. Sometimes awareness seems to be a little slow and doesn't notice that it's been thinking until three thoughts have gone by, and then you can see them. And other times it seems like it's very thin, where there's an obsessive, an obsessive quality to the thoughts, or there's a topic that just recurs over and over obsessively, and being aware of it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't make it stop and doesn't see that they stop, right? Keep looking. You're doing good. Now, if I give you the answer, you know, like there's, it should be this way, then you'll look for it or you'll judge yourself as not being able to see it that way. There is no way that it should be. Sometimes, just like that, 
there's awareness, but there's this awareness of recurring obsessive thoughts. It's just like over and over and over and over. And, and there's awareness and thinking, awareness and thinking. Sometimes there's awareness of thoughts and everything else that's going on. Sometimes you just notice a thought and it's gone. Sometimes you don't even notice the thought and it's gone. Like we have a lot of thoughts that we don't notice, right? Please say yes. <laughs> okay. Huh? They don't notice. No, you do because <laughs> here's the thing. Carol. They do know that thoughts go by unnoticed because later they recognize a bunch of thoughts went by, like dreams, like dreams, you know, like you don't know that, you don't know that they gone by, you don't know that they stopped, you don't know how long they lasted, except later you remember, I had that thought. It must have stopped because it hasn't been around for the last five minutes. Just, just understand all that. We're just, <clears throat> this is a good point, it's like, we're observing the way things are. The way things have come to be in this moment, the next moment, the next moment, the next moment. And at any one moment, it looks like this. Obsessive thoughts don't stop with awareness. Or thoughts just stop immediately with awareness. We have different understandings based on different direct observation experiences, or direct observation of experience. Cumulatively, Collectively, or in time, with more experience or more observations, we'll have a more nuanced, accurate, uh, perceptive understanding of the nature of awareness. A single moment of awareness isn't going to show you much. But, you know, hundreds of thousands of moments of awareness, you'll begin to get the picture. Oh, this is what awareness is like. It, too, is dynamic, impermanent, not, not one single thing. It's, it's got qualities, and we'll become aware of them as, time, as we continue to observe and time goes on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, the the comment is that with your eyes closed, Dornette sitting, Dornette that period of time, uh, his he perceived that the room was flooded with a certain color. Would you mind showing us the color of your socks? <laughs> woo, woo, woo! <laughs> cool. Okay, pink. <laughs> cool. And so you saw that. And <clears throat> the question that I first heard was, or a comment, I don't know what that color signifies. Right? You saw him feeding the birds earlier? Feeding the birds earlier. And then I saw birds eating from where he was feeding. Yeah. I never saw his socks and everything. Okay. Maybe it's a correlation of the two, I'm not sure, but. Yep. You know, strange stuff happens. But. <laughs> Man, if you'd have opened your eyes, the color in here was phenomenal. No. <laughs> More better. No. <laughs> That's okay. <clears throat> the, um, just, to gen- just to speak generically about colors appearing in the mind, uh, at different times, different colors will appear, sometimes bright, sometimes uniform, sometimes multicolored, sometimes with a lot of variety or variability. Generally, there's some collectedness of mind and the mind has kind of grabbed onto an object and it has, this is my own word, word, has grabbed onto a color and mentalized it. And that's what we see. And there are concentration practices where you use color particularly, you know, as an as a object of concentration to... to collect and concentrate the mind. Sometimes it happens spontaneously, kind of. But in this practice of mindfulness leading to insight, we would just, in that situation, 
rather than kind of focusing on the color and playing with it and making it bigger and smaller and darker and brighter and moving it around and stuff like that, we would just know, oh, imagining or seeing or something like that. Just the activity that's going on in the mind is imagining or remembering, in this case, if you'd seen that color of his socks. Oh, remembering. So we want to take the present moment activity of mind, imagining, or remembering and identify it that way. To attribute some significance to or to give meaning to the color is proliferation of a lot of, well, ideas, concepts, you know, not not direct experience. But generally to have the mind that steady, um, collectedness of minds coming along. Yes. And then I had a little bit of confusion come up, which I noticed, uh, because we've been practicing with just notice what is and what's most noticeable. And that instruction to look at the nature of awareness itself was like a directed instruction. Um, So I'm wondering how often is that something that we should play with in terms of how often to look directly at the characteristics of awareness itself? Is it something to do during each sitting? That's what was starting to come up in my mind. So the comment is about the instructions I offered to to investigate or to look at or to notice, recognize the qualities of awareness itself. I've prefaced that whole little piece of the instructions with uh, the what we what we do with an object-oriented practice is we're directing our attention to the object, sensations, breath, thoughts, emotions, and we're distinguishing the characteristics of the object. Oh, it's tightness, it's stretching, it's pulling, or it's, you know, moving or stable or static or whatever, whatever it is we notice. So we're noticing the characteristics of the object. But I said in awareness-oriented practice, which we're doing here, where we're, there can't be any awareness if there's no object. If there's no object, there's no awareness. So there's some object and awareness, but rather than going into the object and recognizing those characteristics, I just said, well, just, just, just notice the characteristics or the qualities of awareness. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't, ha- I wouldn't make that an agenda. I wouldn't do it constantly, but just, you know, if you did it during that sitting and you noticed, oh, wow, it's, it's like that, huh? You know? I pointed out a few things. I can't even remember what they were, but then, okay, then it's just it's just a kind of investigation. We don't want to be doing it all the time, and certainly not on a single object like, or a single object like the breath, or the recurring object or recognition or experience of awareness. But just just to begin to get familiar with well, what is this awareness? You know, we've all had some taste of awareness now. Well, what what can you say about it? Um, uh, uh, I don't know. Not too much. Okay. So it's just, just to recognize what it is you know about awareness from having observed it as much as you have. Okay. Last comment, question. Yeah. Yes. Um, is our effort to identify every object? I, is it what first? Is our effort to identify every object? No. So the comment I made was, there must be an object for there to be awareness. Without an object, no awareness. And the comment or question was, should our agenda or should our task be to first identify the object? And the answer is no. Because... There's a variety of reasons because, but let me just say that in awareness-oriented practice, if there's awareness, you can be sure there's an object. You may not know it, you may not recognize it, it may be diffuse, it may be very quick, it may be unfamiliar. Let that be as it is. You can still recognize the clarity of knowing that's going on at the time. And in the instruction I offered a 
just an example that, you know, some days you look out the window out there and you can see on the horizon, the far horizon, you can see the shapes of individual trees, you know, and individual limbs on some of those, some of those trees over there. And you can see it very clearly. The object, the sight, is very clear and distinct. And the knowing of it is very clear and distinct. But today, it's a little snowy, hazy, foggy, misty, something. And you look over there and you cannot see. The object is not clear. The object is kind of diffuse. It's hazy. It's not uh, distinctive. And yet, even though the object is diffuse and not distinctive, the knowing of that is very clear. Get it? The awareness is very clear. And you know that. So what I'm asking you is, don't get too fascinated by the object. Recognize the clarity of the awareness. Even if the object's indistinct, fast, subtle, whatever, unfamiliar, doesn't matter. The the awareness can be known to be very clear, very continuous. Okay? Thank you very much for your questions. couple of announcements. We're in our third round of, uh, we're starting our third round of check-ins today. So whoever you haven't seen yet, you'll see today and tomorrow. And we made some changes to Alexis's group. So if you're just assuming you're going at the same time that you would have two days ago, check and see, because we made some changes to uh, his groups, reorganized a little bit. And I think... Carol's and mine are the same as that. Yeah, okay. And a couple times it has happened that there has been audible sleeping in the hall or some, some enough noise to be a concern to everyone. And generally we give people permission to or ask people to just tap their neighbor on the knee or the shoulders in a safe place lightly just to alert the person that they've fallen asleep or that their, their, their breathing is audible or some other sound that they're making is audible and they might want to know that. If that's not okay for you, just to be, just, just to be notified lightly, safely, and you practice in a way that you might fall asleep or you might, whatever it is, then you're, you're free to practice in your room so that during the during the group sittings, the scheduled group sittings in here, then there can be some stillness and quiet. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.